Welcome to Tea Break with Vivian Cosimir. Vivian and her guests are here to help you empower yourself and open your mind to higher realizations. Now, here is Vivian. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this December podcast on women and new consciousness. My slogan, if coffee wakes you up, tea awakens you. Considering major events that happened across the globe this year, let's share our last 2023 cup of tea for peace, conscious leadership, and awakening on the planet. I am Vivian Casimir, and I have the pleasure to be here with Cher Singh, Art and Culture Task Force Chair of BPW International, and Jenny Gulamani Abdullah, Immigration Consultant and CEO, founder of Gulamani Abdullah & Co. Two wonderful women who contribute to women empowerment and leadership at BPW, which is Business Professional Women. I am so glad and honored to have you both here with us at the end of 2023 with a conscious gaze on women leadership in a broad sense. You are both from a multicultural background and with international professional experience. As you all know, I'm speaking to the listeners, this podcast aims at offering different perspectives on the new consciousness shift we are experiencing and how it translates in many aspects of our Western societies. We hear the expression conscious attached to many concepts like conscious business, conscious living, conscious leadership, etc. So just to make sure that we are all talking about the same thing, we will define the expression conscious as a new paradigm of the 21st century that focuses on, and here is the list, official list, <laughs> authenticity, self-transformation, higher self versus ego, humanity versus personal, collaboration versus competition, equality versus hierarchy, compassion versus judgment, thriving versus surviving, and oneness versus separation. We call this, of course, the new consciousness because it is slowly becoming the new norm in the Western world. So with that in mind, let's start our discussion with Jenny and Cher. So welcome both of you and thank, thank you for taking the time for this podcast. So Cher and Jenny, let's start with Cher. Can you tell us a bit about you? Hi, of course I can. Uh, uh, my name uh, is Shaharazad Singh, uh, Cher for short. I am from Guyana, South America, uh, descendants of Indian, and Scottish and Portuguese parents. And uh, I have lived in several countries. I have worked at the United Nations. Um, I've done many things to do with uh, diversity for over 30 years. I um, have great experience of different sorts of boards, all relating and looking at ways to, in the business world, to um, include and be cognizant of uh, diversity and uh, togetherness and working with different cultures and people. Um, I now live in California and I am with the Business Professional Women internationally uh, as the Arts and Culture Standing Chair 
Um, at the national level, I am the um, JEDI chair, which is Justice, Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, and that's nationally within the United States, um, and, and other uh, positions locally with our business professional women. Uh, as a, 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 mm -hmm. a way of relaxing, I dance, I love dance, and I hike. <laughs> <laughs> and you forgot to mention the Argentinian Tango. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's my favorite of all dances, but I do many, many dances, but that is definitely, I love the classic piece of music that's within it and it's a dance of improvisation um oh i do have three children three grown children and two are here in california and one in new york oh wonderful wonderful uh, it's it's uh, great that you you are actually the perfect person for this division of culture art and culture yeah absolutely well, thank you, Cher. Jenny, oh, your background is also impressive, so I'll let you explain it. Thank you, Vivian. Uh, you know, it's great to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Um, I actually have been practicing immigration law for the last uh, 30 years and um, uh, have been a member of the International Bar Association. I received my law degree from California, actually, Cher. And, um, you know, I, I moved to Canada, of course, uh, with my parents who immigrated when I was uh, just turning into uh, my double digits. So uh, just after my 10th birthday, uh, I remember uh, a year or so later, my parents immigrated from Africa. Uh, so I was born in Tanzania and uh, was schooled uh, here in Canada, grew up, got married here, and uh, have two grown children as well. Uh, where BPW is concerned, of course, I occupy a seat on the International Federation of Business and Professional Women. Uh, after having served as president of BPW Canada uh, and also uh, sit on the uh, task force like Cher does um, at BPW International, the task force is immigration and global citizenship. We just welcomed uh, two amazing members, a former judge and a human rights lawyer, and really look forward to uh, the work in the next uh, one year as we uh, near Congress uh, in November of 2024. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. And if you allow me, I can also say that uh, uh, you have been named one of Canada's most powerful women by the Women's Executive Network in 2013. Yes, yes that was truly an honor. It was uh, the year is important, 2013, which was, you know, 10 years ago when it was uh, uh, very rare for uh, people of color to uh, be recognized in this way. I mean, now that we're all focused on diversity, equity, and inclusion, uh, you know, there are several, uh, there, there are several uh, people of color uh, that are being recognized for the amazing work that we've always been doing. And uh, I'm glad to see that at the forefront in Canada, especially. Oh, cool. Wonderful. That is, that is so funny because uh, I think Jenny, you and I have parallel 
experiences because I was honored to be Tribute to Women of Achievement of 2010. And uh, 2013, I was honored with the um, Human Rights Commission Award for all the work that I do. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Oh, so it's a real honor for me to have you here for this episode. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Oh, yeah. The honor is ours, Vivian. Thank you for the invitation. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, my next question will be kind of uh, very cute, but why did you shoot? <laughs> Sorry. Why did you choose a BPW among so many women's organizations? Hmm. Briefly, you don't need to go. Should I go first? Yeah, Annie? yeah. We'll go okay. ahead, share. Um, I I was always involved since my uh, eldest was in elementary school, and so I got involved in education and found out that there was fighting to fight for, and so <laughs> I did that and slowly progressed and got involved in over thirteen different organizations, and I worked with a woman who was eighty-six years old. And she said to me, come with me. I have this organization. You have to come with me. I went with her and a year later, I was president of the organization, which was the business professional women in the county where I live. So that was the beginning threads of, of, of my involvement in it. But because I was interested in families and education and legislation, it was akin to my interest. Ah, oh, interesting. Good. And you, Jenny? You know, I actually walked into BPW uh, Calgary uh, cold without an invitation. I was, um, you know, looking for uh, not my own kind, uh, not my own kind, meaning not lawyers and those in the legal professions. Uh, you know, I was looking for business and professional women who did something other than what I was doing. So it was interesting when I walked into BPW Calgary and ended up sitting next to Jennifer Edwards, who's a lawyer, and Kathleen Mahoney, who was the speaker, a law professor. Professor, I sat in the middle of the two of them and I stood up and said, oh, I don't want to sit with my own kind. I'll move to the other table if you ladies don't mind. <laughs> and they both looked at each other because it was like, what does she mean, my own kind? She certainly doesn't look like us, right? Um, but what I meant was, you know, uh, I was referring to the diversity in professions. So my mm -hmm. initial attraction was the fact that women from diverse industries, sectors, and backgrounds professionally, uh, you know, uh, they, they came from all different backgrounds and diverse industries and sectors. That was my main attraction. Uh, and the reason I stayed, I have to say, is sisterhood, right? There's, um, there's this very, um, welcoming type of sisterhood. I mean, I know when women get together, there are issues and tensions, but really the reason I stayed was sisterhood because there were so many like-minded women coming together. Wow. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I And I am... find that actually, you know, I, I find that 
I find that locally, provincially, nationally, and internationally, that diversity of, you know, um, occupations and industries, it's just, you know, from local to global. Yes, that's true. And that's the strength, that's the power of the, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I have been a, a member of BPW for a couple of years, and I'm still involved with them. Yeah, for the same reason. Thank you for sharing that. So, um, if there's, this is a question I ask most of the, my guests is, have you seen any, uh, or would you say there's been uh, differences or changes in memberships of BPW, for example, since you've been with uh, BPW? For example, any differences now in women who join, like age group, background, purposes, why women join, and or have you seen any change in the structure itself of BPW as the organization may have adapted to social, professional, and whatever is happening? Jenny, you yeah, want to for go? sure. From from my end, uh, from a Canadian perspective, and uh, more so from Alberta or Calgary perspective, um, I definitely see a shift, and um, that shift could be a little bit of both. It could be, you know, the current context and the environment that we live in. And it also represents a shift in perhaps women's thinking and women's position in society. Um, so, you know, when I first uh, went to BPW Calgary, of course, it, everyone looked the same. I was the only person of color in the room. But what was interesting is that as I started to occupy key positions, I was able to uh, attract other women into the organization. And when women are able to see themselves in those roles, um, then women, uh, you know, start to feel comfortable because I think the spaces need to be uh, safe and inclusive. It's very difficult to walk into a room, I think, and if you're, you know, looking different from everyone else and no one else in that room is, you know, kind of there with you. But like I said, you know, sometimes you've got to come out of your comfort zone and you've got to uh, take that leap and you've got to uh, see the the strengths in that. And um, I think that's what happened uh, with me at BPW. And I started to see a lot more younger women coming in. And we and 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 the reason for that was we had a position for young BPWs uh, as vice president of young BPW and what I noticed that you know the 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 traditional thinking of you know everyone needs to be experienced on the board is not necessarily true because there are positions on our board like communications for example or secretarial type of uh, roles that really could use young people and mm -hmm. as we saw uh, you know, um, uh, people of color and younger individuals occupying leadership roles, that's when uh, young individuals and people of color started to come to the membership. So it has to start from the top. Um, and, and it trickles uh, down into the communities. And, you know, when you see something, you start to feel attracted to that thing which resembles you. Oh, that's interesting because uh, this is exactly the 
the, the content of our uh, uh, episode today, diversity, multiculturalism and young people. So that is also for you, Cher. What, yeah. what no changes have you noticed? Well, I would say that from my perspective and in, in, in the circles of my friends, they call me the gatherer because <laughs> I'm, always, I'm always working the room wherever I am trying to look and study the women around me. And I have to say that um, volunteering in an organization takes a special kind of woman. Not all women want to do it or feel that they have the time to do it. And I try to gently explain that I raised three children, worked, ran my home and did everything and still volunteered, not only in an organization, but in their lives and in their schools. So it can be done. It's not impossible, but you have to have the want. Over the years, I would agree that, you know, we needed to start looking at younger people because we were aging out. We are aging out in, in this organization. Um, I find, I know I can speak for California and I think Canada is similar uh, in that we are progressive and we are innovative and we try to see the future for what it is. And um, we have engaged a lot in the United States also with young people. It's a slow process, but it's working. I personally believe in engaging women in general, even if they don't have a career that sort of falls into any particular category. I try to say, what would you like to do? Or what have you done? Maybe before you had children, or what? how much time can you devote to something with a passion that you have. So it's just looking at a different perspective and that falls into the spiritual end of how a person sees their lives. And uh, today that's what's happening. We're looking at spiritual consciousness in the workplace. Ah, wonderful, wonderful. Wow, thank you for sharing that. And actually that goes straight to the next question, because what you do, the both of you, I'm very impressed, is not from the traditional understanding of women organization. You know, because when it comes to this word women organization, we hear most of the time about women's rights, political leadership, which is normal, you know, things related to those issues. However, there is so much more involved in women's leadership when we turn to this conscious uh, leadership. So what the two of you do for me is very unique because I've never heard of that. You know, I'm kind of, I need to be educated in that sense. But I would like you to describe exactly, you know, in your own uh, way, uh, the, the way you, you interact and you help uh, women empowerment in, in your domain. So let's start with Jenny. You know, Vivian, it's um, it's also about being human, right? Because mm. as people, we should be invested in not just ourselves, but those that amongst whom we live. Uh, we need to be invested in other people's successes. It's not just about, you know, uh, focusing on yourself and getting from point A to point B. We need to think about how does everyone else get from point 
point A to point B along with me, right? So as soon as, uh, uh, you know, as soon as people start to see that you're actually interested in their success. I mean, a primary example is the mentorship program at BPW Calgary, right? I mean, of course, it cannot uh, continue without the generosity of the mentors. And that's where, you know, BPW members actually come in. I mean, the wise, the experienced, uh, these are the individuals who step forward uh, to be mentors. But we've got to, as a club, or as uh, BPW members, just like in a family or in a community, right? In a family, you know, there are some of us who have certain strengths and some of us who have certain weaknesses and everything goes really well in a family if we understand each other's strengths and weaknesses and we help one another to strengthen those weak areas. That's how you succeed as an individual and as a family. And women know this, really, they, they, they know this because it's part of who they are. They give birth, they nurture, and they wish the success of their children. The reason we're invested in what happens to the next generation is because our children are part of that next generation. So I think when um, I see some of the core programs at BPW, I really think it's with a long-term view, like the mentorship, like the scholarships, etc. It's always mm -hmm. about, you know, how do we uh, strengthen the next generation of women? So I think when we talk about, you know, that whole thing about consciousness and, and, you know, it's, it's to be strategic and with purpose, right? It, yes. it has to be strategic. You've got to plan it, put thought into it, execute it and do it well so that you can see the huge impact because it's a, it's truly a ripple effect. The, that's well said. There's something you said to me uh, last time and uh, about immigration, how you go beyond the Cartesian way of understanding immigration, filling out forms, submitting them to the government. What you do is really on the side of Canada, of course, you're really making changes to help the regulations too. So if you can give and, an example you can of only, that. You can only help when you understand. So, you know, uh, it, it's about listening. The stories that you listen to and the stories that you take the time to understand allow you to put your knowledge into practice. Because it's one thing to know the law. It's one thing to know the regulations and the sections. It's an, it's one thing to, you know, do the administrative part of it, but mm -hmm. you can truly, uh, you know, like the hand and glove thing, it can only fit if you understand the story. You can only think out of the box. You can only think of exceptions to the rule when you really, truly understand the story and are vested in the success of the person that you're serving oh wow oh that's well said 
that's well said yeah thank you and share of course this is your pillar multi <laughs> multiculturalism so i let you explain what you do it's so cool to have you both here because it's so not from the main path yeah. so share it's your you time. know um what what jenny just said and and you said you came here when you just turned double digits i i I came to the United States when I was 19 years old, and I had to go through immigration. And uh, even then, I looked and I listened, and I felt like the other people in the room, even though I wasn't versed in their languages, I wanted to go help them because I didn't see that the immigration people even then at 19 i felt like no listen to them this this is a cultural thing it's just maybe you say it a different way so i understand that concept i lived it um the the um there's a a, a scholar john locke who said you know the meaning of consciousness has been debated since at least the 17th century right <laughs> And the consciousness as a, it was, it was debated as like the concept of what passes in a man's own mind. That was what it was then. But now in, in the 21st century, in the, in, um, the year 2023 and beyond, we are looking at spirituality in the workplace. Who knew? And, and it is tied to um, what we are doing. It's about individuals and organizations seeking to work a path and an opportunity to go grow, uh, to contribute to society in a meaningful way. It's about care and compassion and support of others and integrity and people being true to themselves. And you know, if you think about Japan, they do a lot in their workplace that people may not find it to be, you know, the, the norm. But mm. They may have seen this coming and have looked at how uh, spirituality in, intertwines. And what all that means is looking at how a person stands culturally. How do they, you know, how do they respond to things? It's not to do with their efficiency at work or, um, you know, that, that if you understand that, they wouldn't do this X or Y or Z thing. <clears throat> so, excuse me. So, I see it as a, a learning curve. I see women, as Jenny said, we are growing in, an, in this organization. Young people are beginning to understand because they have a passion now that they want to defend their, their place on this earth. And um, we, we are looking at spirituality in the workplace, in the professional spaces, in like, why? But it is coming. Okay. Oh, that I'm glad you mentioned that. Yes, because when when we say when you hear the this concept of spiritual, people always think of religion. No, yeah. spirituality is the way you relate to yourself, to Correct. others, to the planet, to the universe. Is how you're in that sense. Yeah, and uh, it's very interesting listening to you because it's it takes leadership. Uh, um, on another level, it is first of all a personal leadership, and it comes from multiculturalism, di the differences in, in that sense, and how you listen to the humanness first, and then how you can take 
those women, because we're talking about women, but if it's immigration, let's say, you know, the, uh, bigger than that, to their own empowerment, you know. So that's interesting, this leadership level, first of all, personal, so then and you can reach the top, as you say. Uh, if, if I may say, uh, Vivian, it's, um, I, I worked for the federal government as a Section 8 um, program, as a, uh, it was called Family Self-Sufficiency. And I worked with a program that had a contract. I took people from Section 8, mostly women, and I say, how are you, how, how are things with you? Do you work? What are you doing? Tell me about yourself. And I would sit with these people, mostly women, and I will give reference to women, um, and they would reel off a, a plethora of things that they have done in their lives or that um, qualifications that they have. And But before they, I asked them to do that, they were like, well, no, I, I don't have anything. And I, <laughs> I would have to say, you do. And then I would go into my wrapping my proverbial words and arms around them and uplifting them. And by the end of the conversation, some of them would cry and say, Cher, no one has ever told me that. No one has supported me this way. And then I would help them to move to X, Y, and Z in what I was working on. So uh, this is mean to say that society sometimes, uh, or social ways, tend to let us put everybody first or put aside who we are to help our children, our families, and so forth. Yeah, very well said, very well said. Uh, we will have to go for a break, but uh, keep keep that because this is our next step, is to talk about women conscious leadership. What's your message to women organization at large and how we can come to oneness in in spite of our, of course, differences in agenda and, and other, other purpose. So we'll go for a break. So listeners, stay tuned and we will be right back. and can't get enough of us follow us on instagram at voice america talk radio and see what we're cooking up for you set your goals higher and aim for a true transformation in your life do not settle for well-being be grounded centered and raise your consciousness for self-realization myoku techniques help you start your journey or deepen your practice on a one-to-one -one training check the website www.myokucenter.com and together let's make a difference now in your life where can you listen to some of the world's top life coaches ready to dish out success tips and entrepreneurial guidance the voice america empowerment channel will do just that whether it's personal growth building a better business or inspirational life stories make it a daily habit to tune into our programs 
From weight loss and personal branding to law of attraction and increased happiness, you'll find it every day at VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Welcome back to Tea Break with Vivian Cosimir. We hope today's episode is making you feel empowered in many ways. Now, back to the show with Vivian. So, welcome back to our discussion with Cher and Jenny. So, um, let's uh, take it from where we left it. My question now is, women organizations or groups as we see it increasing on social media and other platforms, are different in terms of their directions, their agenda, their categories like age group, their social issues, uh, the business and professional achievement, multicultural issues. So there are so many women's group and organization. In a world polarized as we see it now, what would you say to them? regarding the subject of conscious leadership. I mean, despite the differences, how can we make it into oneness, all of us, for now and for the future? Because I remember, Cher, we mentioned uh, a while ago the importance of legacy. What are we leaving for the next one? So, Cher, you want to start with that? What would be your message to women in general, organization and groups to work together? Yes, I, I believe in collaboration. And um, when I, even before Business Professional Women, when I was involved in the Parent Teacher Association from a local to a state level, um, I always, when I do workshops, I would say, think about this. The way you succeed is uh, delegation, communication, and gathering arms to share with with uh, all that you have to do you can't do it by yourself and so um what i see today is that we have to collaborate with other women's organizations that are like-minded that have an interest to grow and build we have to um help women to stay engaged. And in order to do that, I think we who are already involved in our organizations have to step up and and not do what we always do, so to speak. We have to find ways to hold their interests because I find that's what's happening with young people. When I speak to young people, they they seem interested, but you know, they live in a fast media, social media world. And so everything is moving quickly and they're like, okay, share. So yeah, yeah, what, 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 you know, let's do this. Or what else do you do that? Or, you know, <laughs> and so it takes time, but it is to nurture and show them and ask them and listen to them and have them. We can learn from them to see, to see how we can make a difference here on because we will need to make a lot of changes yeah thank you jenny you know vivian this is such an important question because um 
you know, if you really think about the context also arising out of the pandemic, right? Uh, and if you look at the international theme of BPW International for this triennium, uh, you know, the theme is uh, new actions through cooperation. That whole issue of cooperating across uh, cultures, traditions, borders, whatever that is, right? This is the time that we need to all come together. And coming out of the pandemic, I don't think there is a single person out there that would not agree with that statement that we need to all come together because there is so much that divides us. There is so much that uh, shows us how different we are from each other. But, you know, just find that one thing, two things, three things that we have in common. Because if we put our energies into what we have in common, the whole aspect of differences will truly take a different meaning. Because when you look at what you have in common, you know that you have a shared goal. I mean, we all know that at the end of this, we're all going to the same place. We're here for a limited time, whether that's going to be for some 20, 30, 100, 150 years. But what do you want to leave behind? And, you know, I, I think that when you really come down to the deep questions in life, you're, you're, the answer is going to be in working together. Because when we work together, we can get further. And this, you know, kind of reminds me of that African proverb, which says that if you want to go fast, as in quickly, go alone. But if you want to get farther, that you've got to work together. So, you know, the question is, are we in a hurry and want to get there by ourselves? Or do we want to take our time and get there together so that there is truly this common shared humanity that we all speak of, the universal values that we all believe in? And you know, what will it take? And the pandemic showed us that it wasn't just my own protective uh, personal equipment. It was all of us had to have this personal protective equipment. We all had to have the vaccination. We were all, you know, fighting the common enemy, the virus. So, you know, at the end of the day, if we learned anything from this pandemic, it was that we must cooperate. We need to collaborate. We need to find that one or two things that we have in common and let's get working on those things. And, and if I may add, um, why, you know, why is female leadership so important today? We, we've been around, we're <laughs> nurturers and mothers, right? But when more women are empowered to lead, everyone benefits. So decades of studies has shown that leaders, women leaders, help to increase productivity, enhance collaboration, inspire organizational dedication, and improve fairness. Fairness, a word that maybe from a male perspective, who's the hunter, 
you know, uh, or is perceived as such, because women hunted too, um, that that it in our societal norms, that was what was always was. But now we are showing that women are successful and, and are uplifting people, men, women, everyone. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, Cher, I love what you're saying. <laughs> Before we go to the next question, which is about actually the feminine energy that the world needs. We hear that very often. So before we go to the next question, I have two quotes. People know that I love quotes. <laughs> One is, uh, I found that very interesting. She says, I've always subscribed to the belief that the best lead leader is not one who has the most followers, but one who creates the most leaders. I strive every day and in every program and offering we have at Antigris Women, this is her group, to create more conscious, confident and soulful leaders who in turn will build a better world for all. And that's Stéphanie Courtillet, founder of Antigris Women. Mm -hmm. And that's very the conscious approach that we need. You, you said spiritual, conscious approach that we need now. That's enough of polarity in the world. The other one, uh, the most significant barrier to female leadership is the actual lack of females in leadership. The best advice I can give to women is to go out and start something, ideally their own businesses. If you can't see a path for leadership within your own company, go blaze a trail of your own. And that's interesting because more and more we hear about women leaders, particularly in politics, you know, heads of countries in Africa, in South America, or, but we don't talk about them. You know, so it's interesting to give back in that sense recognition to women who have been leaders or head uh, for quite a while. Mm -hmm. So it's not just that we don't have, we, of course, we don't have enough women in those positions of uh, uh, powerful position, but we have now and we don't talk so much about them and we should. Mm -hmm. Good. So the next question, it's actually, we hear that we are now in the era of feminine energy needed on the planet. We've heard that many, many times. How do you see that, both of you, without falling into the cliché? What are the characteristics you have seen in your professional work about women and leadership? Jenny, you want to start? Thanks, Vivian. You know, this is really important because there are definitely, uh, you know, some qualities in individuals. And as you said before, it's, you know, the work, there is so much work out there, right? And one person cannot do it all. And I think it is about uh, building uh, capacity, building more leaders. You've, you mentioned this a little bit earlier and like I said, you know, all of us have a limited time. Well, we want to leave this world in a better place than we came into it, right? So, um, you know, how do we do that? And uh, after you, who takes on? And I think that whole issue of building capacity has to start early. It's not when, oh, when I won't be able to do it, then I will hand it over. 
I think it's always about doing it and bringing everyone along so that when you're not there, everything continues. The organization continues, the uh, committees, the from BPW perspective, everything stays the same. You know, uh, I always say, if you are able to produce a better leader than you, then, you know, you've done everything you possibly can as a leader. And so it's not just about building leaders, but making them better than you. And, wow. and that's how uh, the world gets better, right? Wow. So uh, I think one of the qualities is uh, about building, having this desire to uh, build capacity, making leaders that are better than yourself and continuing to uplift one another so that we can get further. That's, um, you know, that's what I, that's what I think we need in leaders. Cool. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. Uh, it's to think of making the world, if you want the world to be a better place, you have to, to have this quality of humility and, uh, and open-mindedness. It's not about you. It's about bigger than you. Absolutely. That's a great conscious approach to it. Share. I'm sure you have a lot to add to that. <laughs> well, you know, the first thing I heard somebody um, once, I quote once, that they, the question was, what are three major responsibilities of a woman? And it said, reproductive, productive, and community managing role. <laughs> and I thought, okay, but, you know, I, I once... Uh, I have a poem because I write poetry that I uh, that I wrote about woman all nature, and um, and it reminded me years later when I read Maya Angelou about um, her her poem about um, phenomenal woman, and um, I think the role of women in society today is that we are essential contributors to the economy, period. And we play a significant role in the labor force and contribute to the growth and development of businesses. And women have also been proven to be successful entrepreneurs and starting their own businesses and, and at higher rate than men. And uh, we don't pay attention to that. And the result is women in leadership are, you know, Australian companies have uh, been taking the lead on this stuff. And it's evidence based of, of how they are dismantling barriers for women participation on senior levels. Think about it. Look at um, countries who have uh, chief executives or leaders. Yep. You had a Philippines was the president was a woman, Cortezon, I can't remember her last name, mm -hmm. uh, Corazon. And, and then there was Haiti, is Ethra, Pascal, something. And then we had uh, Benazir Bhutto from Pakistan. Yeah. Yet, a country like um, United States of America, we have yet to yeah. embrace yeah. women. And we say we are so liberal. So I think our female organizations have a lot to do. Um, and we have to, um, and I do, is try to um, increase the knowledge to impart to women 
and like I said, show them that they can manage everything and be strong and stand for women's issues. I've done this for almost 30 years now. That's wonderful. Yeah, I remember the examples you gave me. And actually, we may go back to those examples. But uh, here there is a list of uh, things that I... Uh, I wrote down from our discussion in the past. Women are resilient, strong, adapt, recalibrate, uplifting women. Uh, mm. Women never give up, work for education, civic services. Uh, we meet, women need to see their value. The example you gave earlier, um, share a uh, woman who don't see in herself, you know, what she has. So women need to see their values, regain their confidence, see their power. So it's a self-confident issue that we see more than in men uh, uh, leaders, I mean, in that sense. Um, uh, women should stop trying to fit into the system in place. The system itself is collapsing. It's too Cartesian. It's changing. Mm -hmm. So there's a need for a new way of thinking from women. In a sense, women are multitaskers. I am all saying what you told me last time, girls. <laughs> yeah. Women are multitaskers, more aware of the future, more conscious, nurture. They have this kind of collective future. So, and and, yeah. and uh, uh, to interject that uh, female leadership qualities that affect us within the 21st century, we bring different sets of values and perspectives ah. in, to the table, which can lead to a more empathetic and inclusive style of governance. And so our leadership is instrumental in driving social change, promoting gender equity, and tackling issues from a, a, a more holistic and nuanced perspective. Yeah, well said. <laughs> Jenny and I, we are smiling. Yeah, we can't say that. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. I should have done law, right, Jenny? <laughs> I should have taken up law. <laughs> definitely, definitely share. You know, uh, we have to also um, not forget that it's not just always about fixing the women, right? Um, just like I say, you know, you can't always talk about fixing the migrants. You know, where women are concerned, uh, it's not always about fixing the women. It's also about fixing the men and fixing the workplaces, yes. uh, the other side of it. Mm -hmm. um, so it needs to be a collaborative effort. Same thing with, you know, you can't just fix the migrants. You actually have to fix the citizens who are receiving or accepting those migrants. So, you know, there has to be uh, uh, an all-round effort from all sides to ensure that there is safe and inclusive spaces for everyone. Mm -hmm. And I teach in my diversity classes, I teach that. And I work with um, uh, batterers, men who had to do uh, a domestic violence course. They couldn't avoid it in order to get some chance of getting out. And my kids were always nervous of me doing it. But um, mm. and so we have to start somewhere working with men. I have two sons. And my sons are extremely and always respectful to everyone, but they understand the role of a woman. 
and they can speak to it without me even having to tell them. So I think it also starts within the home. But hard sometimes when you as a parent, mother, father, don't have the skills to teach it to your children. So that's where all of us in organizations come in. And now we have to share and try to send the message, put the word out there, one starfish at a time as the story goes. Yeah. Uh, no, exact. Yeah. But I, I want to go back to what you said, uh, uh, Jenny, uh, earlier before the break. Uh, we need to have more uh, women, conscious women as leaders on the top. So they give the example the, for inspiration for others to follow. And it's also starting from as you said, share home, you know, in your personal life too. So that's both uh, both sides of uh, of the new consciousness for leadership. Uh, yeah. 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 So, uh, what are the most important aspect? Let's say, generally speaking, what are the more uh, most important aspect you think we should focus on in women organizations? like BPW or others, starting uh, 2024, next year, based on your implication, the roles you have and your, your field of expertise and your observation, what are the most important aspects if we want to move further? Jenny? You know, I think um, where BPW is concerned, it always has to be about um, what the members need right? Mm. So we need to mm. really know what the members need. And when you're in each of those countries, the needs are different. There are different needs for women in different countries. So we've got to have this perspective of we're not just uh you know one one type of membership. You know, for for some countries, it's about surviving the na natural disasters. Mm. Uh, for some countries, it's about living through war and terrorism. For some countries, it's about, you know, or women just trying to access basic education. So I think different countries have different needs. And when you look at perhaps, you know, uh, more developed countries, uh, you know, you start to see women who've already had access to education already are equally participating in the in the labor force etc but at the end of the day it's about what do our members need and what do we need yeah. to do to customize our approach for wherever it is that we live because what is needed in one part of canada may not be something that you know, is a priority for someone in another part of Canada. So it's not just about, um, uh, you know, uh, what, what is it that we should do for everyone? Um, it, I think the core values, the principles that we, uh, that we, uh, center our, uh, entire, um, mandate on, is of course improving conditions for all women but that means different things for different people in different countries and in different times and you know bpw international i think 
the the absolute fortunate part of this is that we have experience we're an organization that is going to reach close to a hundred years so you know we're over 90 some years old uh, we were established in 1930 so the experience is there and we've gone through the shifts whether it's economically politically socially so it's about uh, using that experience. It's about using our best, our own best practices and uh, making sure that we're able to, uh, you know, uh, position or reposition every woman so that she reaches her full potential. Uh, that uh, is also uh, something in common with you, Cher, the fact that you are very close to the um, multicultural um, backgrounds of women in uh, California. Your approach is wonderful. Yeah, so I'll let you talk about that. <laughs> well, I, I also feel that um, in uh, for, for the United States BPW, we are a hundred and almost four years old. 1919, um, they established it. And I have to say, when I joined the national and I was looking at the ratio of the multicultural aspect, I asked about black women to be exact. And you know, during 1990, not to the fault of the women who started BPW, it was not allowed, you know, so they had to work in it. And I think it's not till 1969, there was a black BPW women's group for United States. So I think we have to work from the top to vote people in who are a little different than us who we may not be comfortable with but you know the discomfort of others the discomfort we feel of others is the learning curve that we mm. we use for ourselves and so i think that's where we have to keep working because this world uh for some people are afraid of of the world changing in certain ways and that means we have mm -hmm. to pull in our <clears throat> brothers and sisters who are nervous, who feel that they feel threatened in one way or another, that women are becoming more powerful, that the world is becoming more brown than white. I mean, these are conscious uh, facts. And so we have to bring those people in and embrace them and show them that we can work together to make it better, to grow our organizations. And for BPW, my greatest wish is to see that we continue to recognize and to put in place leaders who are a little different from us and who may have a different approach, you know, and just to work compassionately with everybody. Because um, the modern concept of consciousness includes cognition and experience and feeling or perception, you know, and it's an awareness, it's a self-awareness, and it's continuously changing. And so um, this is a desperate range of research that people are looking at. And we have a group. We are sisters. We believe in collaboration. But now we have to look internally. We have to look at ourselves and say, okay, 
I've been so busy leading and trying to pull everybody in. Let's look at how we can make some of those people we're trying to bring in step back and see maybe they're different from us, but let's let them lead also. You know, and you know, if I may add, yeah, if I may add, Vivian, mm -hmm. you know, there can be a win, win, win. You know, it's it, it's interesting that a lot of times people just think of, you know, win and lose. It's not a hockey game, yeah. right? It's not like one wins and one loses. I think that there can be a win, win, win where everybody wins, right? It's not, it's not that if one group wins on something that another group has actually lost. When women uh, succeed, it does not mean that men are failing. It's, you know, when, when migrants succeed, it's not like they're taking something away from the citizens. It has to be looked at as, you know, a win, win, win. And I say that three times because it's not my way and it's not your way, but there can be a third way where, you know, we, we're all winning. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's well said. Yeah, I was wondering about the three win, win, win. So you said it. Cool. No, exactly. And that's when the shift of consciousness comes is stop thinking binary. It's not binary. The universe is not binary, you know, in that sense. Um, I remember these are a few sentences I wrote down from our last discussion. I don't remember who said that, Jenny or Cher, but we cannot focus on the future if we cannot work the present. And thinking of legacy, it has to be there. We have to change now if we want the, the future to become something better. We, uh, what can you do to contribute to the next generation and not just recycling? I love that sentence. I don't remember who said that, but I love that sentence. That's enough of just doing the same thing through a different cover. We need yeah. to shift consciousness now. So yeah. that's wonderful. You both of you also mentioned um, young people. We need young, more young people. And we need to speak a language that uh, uh, young and older women can can understand can speak can can communicate yeah, you know uh, in that sense um another question we are coming close to the end but i have so much to ask you so um if we could implement let's say trainings work, workshops seminars webinar or whatever the platform uh, what would you see as important for women's group or society about um oneness and uh, uh, con uh, conscious leadership from women, let's say for, for women, uh, would you implement, I don't know, any, any things like that? What would you see if you could suggest workshops or webinars or things like that? You know, I think that it's important. Um, uh, and earlier you mentioned this, that, you know, in order to plan for the future, uh, you know, we need to look at our past, understand our history, look at our present and really uh, understand where we're at. And then we can figure out where and how to get to where we want to be. 
So, you know, uh, having a clear understanding of our history is really important. And, you know, uh, as a country in Canada, we know all about this, especially, you know, with uh, reconciliation and issues of uh, truth and reconciliation being at the forefront. So I really think that that whole bit of um, whenever we plan any uh, program, webinar, we've got to look at, um, you know, the historical piece so that we can understand the context. Then we need to look at the present situation, whatever that topic is, and where we're at uh, in, in the current context. And then we can talk about how we can plan for the future. And by the way, you know, young people, have energy they are ready to lead they are leading they're you know um in in certain clubs we have half of our executives that are young bpws under 35 and i must tell you that they've got the energy the drive but we need to create spaces for them where they feel safe and where they feel included young people have a lot to teach us our children are showing us you know ways that we've never thought about before i learn more from my children every single day than i think i impart to them so you know um you know when they're young you lay the foundation but then you've got to let them uh soar you've got to you know as a parent as a mother as as uh as parents, we want our children to be able to soar. We want our children to be able to fly. I know it's kind of hard when you become an empty nester and they actually do fly. But, you know, uh, I think we've got to make room for young people. We've got to have confidence in them because they are certainly ready. They're showing us this by what they're doing. They are demonstrating in their words, in their actions, in their energy. And I think that uh, we need to make uh, room for them to now be creative, innovative, and think farther, much farther than what we have been thinking and allow them to lead and make spaces for them. Wow. That's wonderful. <laughs> wonderful. Well said. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. But we can also, those who are already in those positions, we can also shift our way of doing things and open the path for the young people to be able to step on. Because, you know, uh, I, I'm a bit older than you, but uh, Jenny, but um, our generation, uh, we could not express ourselves because society was so, the establishment was so strong, we could not even say I, you know. But nowadays, because of what my generation did, it's easier for young people to step and say, I want, you know. And, and Vivian, every event that we attend, we must look at the panel with a, uh, you know, with a strategic, uh, I, you know, who's on the panel and why, right? Exactly. Because if, if you're attending a women's event and you don't see diversity on the panel, and I don't mean diversity by race or religion, I'm talking about diversity in thought, in occupation, in age, in, you know, in occupation, we've got to, um, uh, question how we, uh, 
program or how we deliver our events and who we are including and who we're not including. It's important yeah. to make sure that every event and every webinar that we're attending, that we're doing that consciously, that we're actually picking events and uh, attending uh, attending uh, programs and events that are including all the all the individuals on that panel so that you truly get um uh you know a, a good uh program is about making sure that all the viewpoints are included on that panel so That's when you're going fun. to an event with just one keynote speaker or a panel that all looks and talks the same that's not attending a quality event i see what you mean yeah diversity at all levels yeah no absolutely share well, you wanted to say something yeah yeah um first of all khalil gibran is my most favorite philosopher and i collect all his books i think i have most of his collection and he speaks on children and i tell my kids this that you know he says your children are not your children they are the sons and daughters of life's longing for itself right they come through you but not from you right and though they though they they are um with you yet they uh, belong not to you so we have to look at young people like that and we have to say okay um you know what can you bring what are you what can we encourage them and, and have them bring with us to the table i believe i agree with jenny we need to always look at the diversity as a whole and and the d word meaning for everything and i think we need to do that more in bpw i think today we are working more and more on that because we are seeing the future and um it takes time it takes time because uh, young people have so many distractions and so many things that are available to them that we have to make a business professional women federation something appetizing to, to for them to say, yes, I'll come and do it. Yeah. We have to be their distraction. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, that's good. Yeah, I I wanted to uh, just mention two quotes. I have many, but I just want to mention two that I found interesting. It's uh -huh. one is from uh, Jacinda uh, Arden, the former Prime Minister of New Zealand. I really like that woman. Yes, me too. One of the criticisms I have faced over the years is that I am not aggressive enough or assertive enough or maybe somehow because I am empathetic. It means I am weak. I totally rebel against that. I refuse to believe that you cannot be both compassionate and strong. And that's the new emerging feminine power. We, have, yeah. we, we don't see opposite. It goes together. Yeah, no. I always say that I have two faults. One is that I am extremely polite and people mistake my politeness for weakness. And two is that I come from a culture that demonstrate politeness. So people respond like you don't know. But I always say I, um, I'm Indian in my peace and, and love, but don't want to see me as a South American because then you see the piranha in me. <laughs> <laughs> Watch out, the Argentinian tango. <laughs> uh, and the other one is very short, and I love it. It's from Maria uh, Etel. 
contrary to popular belief, the best way to climb to the top of the ladder is to take others up there with you. And that's so true. Uh, I remember good. attending a long time ago uh, something f uh, March 8th, you know, the Women's um, uh, International yeah. Day. And uh, there was a, a wonderful talk by a very high top CEO of a company. And she said at the end of her talk, whenever a woman succeeds, she has to stand, uh, how do you say, to um, uh, stretch her hand to another one. Okay. And that's so well done. So we have to wrap up. I'm so sorry. So uh, to the listeners, what would you say to them uh, to for them to contribute or open their mind? Or what would you say to the listeners to end the discussion? Jenny? I would actually say, you know, as we wrap up this, uh, uh, you know, this year and move on to the next year, welcoming 2024, go do whatever you've said you've wanted to do right don't leave anything uh undone take that leap and go do that thing step out of your comfort zone and the world will be a better place for it ah thank you jenny share i see you smile go ahead <laughs> i i believe that women also have to um look internally at themselves but they also have to listen they have to also use their inner nurturing self to bring them to a place where they can confidently step forward fear is our greatest motivator and so i say use that as a way to enter into making change for women in the 21st Con uh, conscious spiritual conscious change oh wow it's well said Cher Cher and Jenny is such a pleasure to have had that moment with you <laughs> thank you so much both of you for your great insight and reflection on women and conscious leadership it was a real pleasure uh, I will always say that to share this last episode of 2023 tea break with an inspiring cup of tea Thank you all listeners for being with us and I hope that today's episode inspired you to be in touch with your leadership in your personal life and professionally. So I wish you all great holidays and a wonderful clear mind to start the new year. I am Viviane Casimir and this is a monthly podcast. Follow us on the Voice America platform for great insights and friendly talks with a cup of tea and see you soon in 20. 24. Thanks for tuning in to this month's episode of Tea Break with Vivian Cosimir. Tune in next month for another new empowering episode. Until then, have a nice cup of tea and a clear mind. <laughs>